Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are now listening to Rob and Rat's World of Wonder podcast. So sit back, relax, and prepare your ears as they take you on a journey of all things weird and wonderful. Hello and welcome to the Rob Rat Podcast. I am Rob. I'm Rat. And you're very welcome along. Uh, if it's your first time listening, thanks very much for finding us. And if you're coming back to listen to us again, thanks for coming back. Yay. Yeah. Don't, don't too enthusiastic there, Steve. Sorry. So uh, on this week's episode, we're taking a look at... Anya, the animal kingdom. Oh, I, the sound like you said Anya. <laughs> a girl called Anya. Can you do it? The uh, Lion King. Ah, Anya, Okay, it was a lot better. Than, <laughs> a lot better than my one. Yeah, we're going to take a look at the animal kingdom and its connection between the kind of connection between humans and animals. Yeah. So that's the. I suppose we all life is connected in one way. <laughs> it's very deep at the start. In the wow! Gr- in the great circle of life, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the uh, Lion King, I know we're not, but uh, have you seen the new Lion King? I haven't. No, have it's you seen abs- it? Oh, it's terrible. It's so, terrible, it's is it? So bad. You give the. I don't think you've given a good film review on our podcast yet. Uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't know if I have, but uh, no, it's so bad. Like the old Lion King is brilliant; it's yeah. a class film. Yeah. The new one is terrible. A lot of people said you can't. The, it, it's well done with the real animals and stuff, but the animals show no emotion, and it's just—it's not as good as the cartoon. They're going too far, Disney. I think with this whole remake and it's stuff. all CGI stuff, isn't it? Yeah, like uh, yeah. And is there is there any like human actors or is it all CGI? Is it uh, kind of? Well, human actors do the voices of the. No, but oh, there's no humans in the Lion King, is <laughs> no, there? There's no, not no, anyone no. at all. No, it, it's not good at all. Like, what am I thinking? The of? way I the see the Jungle though, Book, the Jungle yeah, Book, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the old Lion King was a great film, right? Okay, and the new one, even it's not even like they brought James Earl Jones back to be Mufasa, and he isn't even as enthusiastic about the role. I don't know. It's just not why me. <laughs> I don't know. He's an unenthusiastic it, lion, is yeah, he? It's, it's just not <laughs> as good. Yeah, it's just not as good. It's yeah. not as good. Anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's a great opening of the show. So we're going to start. We uh, we're going to go. We go to the news. Sorry, I was drinking coffee there. That's all I right. Apologize. Uh, yeah, we we'll go to the we'll news. Go to the news. <laughs> Rob and Rat's weird and wonderful news. Hey, it's the news. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the world famous Rob Rat News. So uh, we've got a couple of news stories to go through. So um, I might start. Will I start? I first start. I know you start. <laughs> okay, so we we'll start. So previously in the past, right? I've reported some seagull news. Uh, you may remember. The story of Gizmo the mini chihuahua, he was abducted by a seagull and then reports of a seagull fitting the same description was seen attacking and murdering a pigeon not far from when the dog was snatched. Do you remember yeah, that story? Yeah, yeah, Sad story. Well, seagulls are at it again. Seagulls have started eating baby swans. I'm glad you said swans there. Yes. <laughs> well, it's only the start. It will be babies yet by the way they're going on. So despite attempts by, parent, by the parent birds to defend their young, one male swan is believed to be killed by a massive gull who brutally attacked its cygnets. Shock witnesses shouted abuse at the gull as it flew away with the helpless babies in its mouth and an adult swan was later spotted dead in the river in Kent and reports that baby swans were missing from the nest. Yeah, but in fairness, like, they have to eat as well, seagulls. Like. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, for instance, seag- the seagulls are getting out of hand. They really are. Like, one of our listeners, Brian, got in contact with the show and he, this is quotes from a message he sent to me. He yeah, said, yeah. I don't have any personal experience with them, but apparently there's one that frequents a car park on the Tomb Road and uh, he doesn't back off when you try and chase him. And he's heard a couple of stories from other people that he's terrorizing the place out there. And uh, Brian also told us that a friend of his who worked in Dunn stores told him that a woman came into the store complaining about a seagull flying off with her beef stir fry strips oh, that she had yeah. just bought. <laughs> <laughs> so and apparently they've gotten more complaints since about seagulls terrorizing customers outside Dunn stores. So it has gotten slightly out of hand. There's a lot more. There's a lot of seagull attacks and 
Yeah, they're annoying, like. They are, yeah. But then swans, swans are no, you know, angels either, like. They're fairly aggressive. Yeah, but I think they're kind of doing their own thing. They're just sitting in a lake. Like, they, that's, yeah. not even, that's not even the sea. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. Different if they're lake gulls and they're coming yeah. and going. I it? wonder, are they killing them to eat them? Or just, oh, they are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's well, fair, unless it's for sport. Well, that's I don't fair know, enough. Like. Yeah, yeah. But that's fair enough, I think. Unless, like, I'd be annoyed enough they took my stir fry. I think we were on about, in a previous episode, about a woman who had her sandwich taken off. Yeah, she was, a woman in Dublin got her sandwich stolen out of yeah. her hand. Yeah, yeah that's, they're annoying. that is annoying. That is yeah. annoying. Well, that's uh, some seagull news anyway. Yay! Uh, is that your story? <laughs> well, that's that story on seagulls. Yeah, I've got more news, but that's... Oh, that's uh, grand. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had animal news for today's episode, but I don't. That's okay. No, really that's, I think that's the only animal news I have. Well, my news today is... Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but it was uh, a few weeks back. A couple in Montresville, Pennsylvania, uh, learned the hard way that bank errors in your favour don't mean you get to keep the money. Did you hear about this story? No. So... Robert and Tiffany Williams checked their account balance with B&B, BB&T Bank and found an extra $120,000 uh, they, had, they had in their account. 120000 Yeah. They didn't question the mysterious money and went on a shopping spree. <laughs> so over the course of two and a half weeks, the couple withdrew more than $100,000 from their account, spending it on bills, a down payment for a Chevrolet SUV, a camper, a car trailer, and even a race car worth $15,000. They gave, no, sorry, they gave $15,000 to friends and family who needed it. And as it turns out, a teller at the couple's bank had accidentally deposited the $120,000 into the couple's account on May 31st when it should have gone to an investment firm. The error was discovered a month later on June 20th, leaving the Williamsons overdrawn by $107,000. Before the teller's error, the couple had $1,100 in their account. But like... Before that, they only had 1100 yeah, but, but the fact they, they went and spent it, like, I know, like... And what's happening now? Do they have to pay it back? Well, yeah. what's happening... Uh, Bank officials called state police after attempts to communicate with the couple were unsuccessful. The couple admitted to investigators to know when the money had been mistakenly deposited into their account, but they spent it anyway. Uh, the couple was arrested on charges of theft and receiving of stolen property. Jesus. Yeah. So bad news for them. Like, but Not good, no. I yeah. know, do you know, I think, say if you went and checked your bank account now and you yeah. figured there was six grand in it, like that's not that much. But it was a mistake in the bank. You just kind of hope. Oh, like what I would say is, I thought I didn't realize. Like I never really checked my account. I was just spending. The, you could, yeah, play stupid. It depends. Like, if you already had like, we do not condone. No, but if you had like, bank. if you had like five hundred thousand in your bank and they accidentally put six grand in, yeah, you wouldn't notice it. Ah, uh, yeah, and they could, they just take it back out. Of your no, account. but then you could say, hold on a second. No, I didn't. You know what I mean? You're but the fact that they. Yeah, they'd spent the money and given it away. Yeah, they knew like, what they were so, doing. Like, yeah, yeah, they, they, knew they knew what they were doing. At least they gave some of it away. Do you know what I mean? They but just... like, in fairness, as well though, it is the bank's fault. You're one. Yeah, oh, in it the is. Bank. Yeah, that was a bad mistake. Like, I presume. Yeah, yeah. Do you it's know, a costly mistake. But I don't know where they're at now. But I'm sure. I they're just to paying it back bit by bit. If they only had eleven hundred quid in the bank between them, I'm sure it'll take them a while to pay back one hundred and twenty, one hundred and seven thousand. Yeah, like uh, Tiffany Williams told bank officials that she would no longer, she no longer had the funds after paying off bills. She would work on a repayment plan with the bank after she spoke to her husband. <laughs> but then it was after that that the bank contacted them. They stopped answering the phone or whatever. So. That reminds me of a story, right? Uh, speaking of payment plans, there was a, uh, was it going around somewhere? I don't know, I read it somewhere. So there was like a, a woman who was going on a Tinder date with this guy. 
And yeah. she went to a restaurant and she arrived at the restaurant early. I think it was like the Shard in London, this like expensive, nice restaurant. And she okay. looked down, they brought it down the wine list and she had, she had, had a couple of G&Ts before she got there. Yeah, yeah. And she ordered like a bottle of wine off the list that she thought was 50 pounds, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she oh, was... Oh, don't t- tell me it was 50 pounds. Sitting down there anyway. <laughs> and then the date arrived and she had drank half a bottle of wine and then the date arrived and she said, oh, should we get another bottle? And so they brought down another bottle and then they drank that bottle between them and then they got one more and they had some food. Uh, it turned out that each bottle was worth 5,000 p- British pounds. Jesus. So it became was down... Was it champagne or I wine? No, just expensive wine, oh, whatever the hell yeah. it was. But it came down to a bill of like 15,000 15, pounds, right, that she, had to, <laughs> that she had to pay. And then she was like, I didn't realise that much. She was a bit pissed off as you didn't yeah, realise yeah. it. She said, I can't pay it. So she now has a direct debit that she has to pay off this oh, wine my God. until it's paid off. Like... <laughs> God, but you, in fairness, though, you think in that restaurant they would say, no, I suppose... The, the guy uh, said he just... He didn't know her. Yeah, he'd never know, met her. It was yeah, their first yeah. Tinder date and he sat down. And, and they, I suppose they might... And he, they're, he's coming, they're coming up to him with a bill because normally kind of, sometimes yeah, the man yeah. has to take care of the bill, yeah, you know? Yeah. And he opened the thing and was like, whatever, like 15 grand <laughs> of a bill. He's like, what the... Yeah, I suppose it's not his fault, but I'm saying, uh, say the the waiter in the hotel should have said, oh, just to let you know, this is worth five grand. But well, I suppose, I suppose it's, it's, an expensive, it's an expensive place. Or, and yeah, people, yeah. It's a fancy place. And I think the, she, she said you should have said to me, she goes, well, the waiter said something along, or they got the manager out, yeah. and he said something along the lines of like, "Well, you know, we get a lot of people in here, and yeah. we don't like to kind of mention the price of stuff." Yeah, exactly. It's I suppose there. if you said no, it, to no, s- do you realize how much this wine yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. You want them to buy it. If like. someone was there who was fairly wealthy, ordering that bottle of wine, and someone said, the waiter said, "Do you realize that they probably get offended?" And say, of course, I know how much. Yeah, it. give me two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of restaurants and stuff like that, uh, when myself and Sheena, my wife, were on a honeymoon, we only went to London now. Because, yeah. uh, anyway, whatever about Only. It, yeah. yeah. But we were, we went out for a meal. Oh, I'll never forget this. We went for a meal in a steakhouse. It was a lovely meal, but it was ruined because I'll tell you why. God, we're, si- we're right. We were sitting having our meal and... When we went in to sit down, there was a couple next to us. You could tell it was like a fresh date. Do you know what I mean? We were fairly close to them and they were kind of introducing, kind of getting to know each other, yeah. right? Well, you were eavesdropping, were you? We were, well, you couldn't kind of help but eavesdropping. Yeah. But we were chatting away to ourselves and that was fine. They ordered before us their starters. We ordered our starters, right? Uh, the lady, the girl on, on their table, the, there was two of them. The girl went up to go to the bathroom, right? Then their starters came. She didn't come back from the bathroom. She stood at all. She left. Like, she left. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh man! But she it ruined our meal because your man was there, and you can tell he was kind of looking around and kind of looking at his phone. And oh man, I felt so bad for him. But like, he ate his his starter anyway. But he just stayed there. We had actually he ordered a main. Then we just had our food and we finished our meal. And I think he just out of embarrassment just stayed there and just, but it was so mortifying. And did they bring her start at the table then as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ate hers and his. No, no, hers was left there. I think, I think. I, like, would, I would have been picking away at it unless it was like, not <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. But I'd be like, if I'm paying for this, um, give it to me. More, <laughs> mortifying like. Why didn't you invite him to your table? <laughs> I said, <laughs> come on in, no, man. No, come no. on. <laughs> Don't be on your own, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I just couldn't know that, but it was pure mortifying being next to him. I'm sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you could talk about it now with the podcast. You're not that mortified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was hilarious. Here's a funny story. Uh, yeah. Funny. Imagine there was. A, imagine he was listening. He goes, "That was me. Yeah, that was me." Yeah. Well, I hope you've worked it out now and that you're over that now. If you are listening, in. so uh, more in more news, right? P- police were called to stop a massive game of hide and seek um, at an IKEA store. Right. <laughs> so they were called to a massive game on the, uh, this is on the 30th of August. So they rushed to the branch what uh, country? in Glasgow, okay. in Scotland, right? So after reports of people turning up to the shop and hiding in cupboards, fridges and beds, the bizarre story came after more than 2,000 people signed up to a Facebook event to take, <laughs> take the childhood game to Glasgow's branch of the Swedish megastore. 
So another 10,000 10, enthusiasts also stated that they were interested in taking part in the event. Sadly for them, however, the store's manager got wind of what was going on. According to reports, users in the event page began posting comments saying they witnessed police turning up and turning people away at the store's entrance. So they kind of like... They'd probably be questioning people coming in. Why are you here? And, you know, what are you buying? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. yeah you know, but Ikea stores are good. I can see that they're good. Kids love Ikea stores. Like, Yeah, but I mean? you go in, there's just like little rooms and yeah, everything yeah, over yeah, the place. Yeah, it yeah. is like, you know. But it's not as much fun then when you've seen everything and you just have to get your trolley and go down to the flat pack area and just pull them off the yeah, shelves. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't like. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, apparently this isn't the first time adults, adults have attempted to turn the flat pack store into a giant playground. The trend started uh, in Belgium in 2014 and then in the Czech Republic and the Netherlands. They've had like, some of these games have actually taken place. So these, it's like a Facebook event and then people go, go down and do it. And hundreds of people just go into the store and someone is on and has to go around and find them. <laughs> but like, gee, if there's 10,000 people and you're on, it'd be like... Well, I don't think 10,000 10, people are saying yeah. they're going to do it. I think a couple of hundred guys showed up in the yeah. Netherlands. Still, still, still. Still, if you were on and you'd find 100 people... But the only thing is that you don't know all these people. So you're just walking around the store. So you're not sure people are just buying stuff and like... Get found ya! Then you're like, no, I just, just happened to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. T- tip. <laughs> tip the can, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, <laughs> no, I was just saying, that was a tip the can that brought me. Did you get a bit of nostalgia? nostalgia did you? There. Was yeah. that the news? Yeah. Nah, no, I've got more news. Have <laughs> oh, you any more news? That's it. That's all you've got. Yeah. Well, this is a bit of a short <laughs> news, right? But it's it's related to Ireland. Okay. Uh, so there's been a brand flake. Right? Well, you're Irish. We're, we're, if you didn't know, top of the morning to you. Uh, but, hey. Do Irish people do that? <laughs> what? Like, I just went, hey. Hey. Oh, we do now, don't we? So a bran flake, which bears an uncanny resemblance to the shape of the island of Ireland, has gone up for sale on eBay oh. for £110, or €112 Euro at the time of recording. Uh, and it's described as new, not used with any milk, and may or may not give you the look of the Irish. Um, do you have a picture of I this? Do, I do, but I don't have it right okay. here, but I will but, show but it to you. Maybe we'll post it on we'll the post it. It, it bloody does look, it does look like Ireland. Ireland it, really? Like, yeah, it does look like it, yeah. But it's fairly small, I'd imagine. It's a small like. little brand flake. Like, it's a piece yeah. of cereal. You'd want to you know? package it very carefully. Is it? I think what, what they do if is... If I buy that for 100 You're not allowed to sell a food stuff like that on eBay. So what you do is when you buy it, I think you get you buy a coupon. And then the coupon is sent to you. And then you get you send the coupon off somewhere. And they send you the brand flake packaged. You have no burp there, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they send the pack. They, they send it to you like in a, in a special little box. Oh, and, right. and I don't know. You might get the look of the Irish. So it's a well. hundred quid at the moment. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but it, it might keep going up. But uh, okay. it's, a, it's just a brand flake. You know, so someone was like going having a bit of breakfast and poured it out in the bowl and goes, "Geez, that looks like Ireland." Do you know if only we had the funding and the show yet, we could put a just buy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> buy we buy it. it for the show. Buy it for the office. <laughs> <laughs> for the office, put it up there behind us, hang, <laughs> hang the brand Blake on the wall. Well, that, that's all the news I've got. Is that it? That was the news. That was the news, guys. Rob and Rats, weird and wonderful news. Okay, so that was the news. That was the news. Right, so on this episode, right, we're talking... uh, This episode. On this episode, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, since the dawn of time, right, humans have had a connection with animals, either as farm animals for a source of food or income, or as pets and companions, even as extensions of themselves, such as dogs, for instance, guide dogs for the blind, or canine police units, and also, like, to heal ourselves through uh, equine therapy. In some cultures, What's equine therapy. Equine therapy is like horses. Oh yeah, people use horses to kind of heal. They're semen. Not so much. They're semen. No, I don't <laughs> think there's any semen. But used. apparently, horse semen is a good patient. For I think I think someone's been lying to you, Stephen. <laughs> You've been caught out. 
Who told you that? Who told you that now? My uncle has a farm who told me. <laughs> His skin is fantastic. <laughs> who told you that? That's, I, I, I've heard I've heard that being said Like what men say it about You know To try to convince oh, women maybe it's But I don't think I've never heard no. horses Go out there And get a bit of horse semen on your face I don't know Did I <laughs> I think you did yeah Did I either dream that or <laughs> well, Get out of those dreams Jesus <laughs> Sorry well, Anyway Sorry. The there. <laughs> In some cultures right Certain animals are sacred Or to be revered Or have even been sacrificed to God And in more recent And strange times People have also married animals And have now got into the stage. Bestiality. Well, yeah. And well. people just, some people are marrying them, some people are putting their semen on their face. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then, like, there's also now the new trend of, like, people transitioning into things, you know, identifying as animals yeah. and stuff. I suppose the closest, probably, to us, like, the Western world, would be dogs and cats and whatnot. You know what I mean? But I think dogs are... They do have a... Isn't there cases as well where, like, you know, I remember there was a show years ago, Strange But True Stories, and there was a case where um, a farmer, I think this was in the UK, they had a farm dog, obviously a sheepdog in the yeah. house, and this one day the sheepdog was in the house, the farmer was, say, just over the hill or whatever, and the wife, the dog started going men- mad Trying it on with the wife? No, no, he started going <laughs> mad in the kitchen. Oh, right. And... Uh, the wife let him out anyway, and he was there. She could hear him howling and barking and howling. She was like, "What the hell is wrong with him?" So she went out, and the husband had actually had a heart attack out in the field. But the dog, you know, the they, dog had sensed they it. do sense things. Yeah, you know? they yeah, have a yeah. six kind of sensor. Yeah, well, I'd say yeah. yeah the, like, I'm, I, I, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny. A dog does know you're. If a dog will know if you're pissed off or they if can you're read it. Yeah. Form, well, that's yeah. gonna. You see, they can read you. So we're yeah. gonna speak to a woman later on. Or like, we're gonna listen to an interview where I spoke to a woman later on. Uh, where she reckons that she can read animals like they can read us. So we'll, okay. get, we'll get to that in a bit. But as I mentioned there, right? There has been connections between animals and humans, and so there's been a story of a woman who married her dog. Right? Okay. And normally you hear about this and it's in America or something like that. Yeah. But this has actually opened up in Northern Ireland. Oh, you should have got her. I should have got her. To talk to oh, her. Oh, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you like, should have got her. She would have been good to talk Yeah, to. so well, anyway, a woman married her dog. She said, despite people thinking she's mad, she said she's not. He's perfect for her. 43-year-old Wilhelmina Morgan Callahan from Northern Ireland married her, married her dog Henry 10 years ago. Uh, so she said, we all know a ma- uh, man is a dog's best friend. Or dog is a man's best friend. But she credits Henry with getting her through some tough times. <laughs> Right, she said things have fallen apart for her somewhat since we got married in 2009. <coughs> she said she lost her job in a morgue and she was forced to become, a, this is what I don't know, but it's a, a freelance in Bammer. I don't know, like a freelance, like, <laughs> not just go to the morgue. Uh, I know this woman who does it for cheap. We'll get her in to yeah, bam yeah. someone. Anyway, but that's what she said. Oh, Mike just fell off there now. So she said, <laughs> but freelance, a freelance in Bammer, yeah. So she said there's not much money in that. And then she said my house flooded. But Henry has been great throughout it all. He's so loyal. She added that she calls him Re, which is the uh, Gaelic for king. Cause, uh, short for Henry. Henry, Re. Yeah, yeah. Re. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's probably <laughs> what. That, that's very good. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's quite good. I wouldn't have got that now. Would you not? No. Well, I suppose I'm not really concentrating on it. I was thinking okay. about the, <laughs> the next thing I'm going to say. <laughs> but yeah, so Re, Henry, and then it's Re is a Gaelic for king. Because she said he is like a king. He's my king. And uh, it's not actually legal to marry a pet in Northern Ireland. Or anywhere, actually. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> well, in a lot in of places. Ireland. No, in like yeah. in the UK or in Ireland here. But like, how how did you? So how? the marriage is a spiritual one. Oh, okay. and uh, Callum, she, but she said she takes it very seriously, and she's got a certificate. Oh God! Well, did she print this herself? Like, I don't know. I know. I think there was a little ceremony and stuff. She had all the other animals in the house. A, a like, marriage cert, and like she signed it, and then she dipped his paw. Little in paw, ink, in it, yeah. yeah, yeah. He licked it. Ah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, 
uh, an 18-year-old Balinese man whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce because I just can't. Balinese he was, from Balina, is he? Balinese, yeah. <laughs> Balinese. <laughs> Balina, yeah. Uh, he was forced to marry a cow after he was caught having uh, doggy style or bovine style, uh, in this case, uh, sex with it in a, in a rice paddy field. And the worst part is, after the two were married, the cow was drowned in the sea in order to cleanse it of its sins. And uh, the boy then was uh, symbi- like they didn't really drown him; they just got a symbiotic- um, symbiotically drowned uh, his clothes in the ocean. But they had, so he had to marry the cow. Where is he, this? In Bali. Oh, Bali, Bali, okay. Bali, Bali in <laughs> Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. How old was the lad? Eighteen. All right, so, so he got caught, kind having of sex with a cow. having sex with a cow, and they said, "Look, you're going to have to marry that cow now." And but they wanted to cleanse them both, so they put the cow into the ocean. The cow drowned. I is that considered animal? Like, uh, I think kind of in Indonesia, maybe there's different laws. I don't know what you yeah. get away with it here in Castlebar. Yeah. You know, if you brought the cow down to the lake, you know, yeah, I caught yeah. my son having sex with this cow. I'm going to drown the cow, and then she's going to drown his clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are funny. People are strange. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of strange people, right? <laughs> um, so there's I've got a couple of stories here about um, people who were raised by wild animals, feral people. Yeah, this feral very, people. Yeah, I, I, this is interesting. Like so, real life Tarzans. Yeah. So a couple of stories, right? So there's a woman called uh, Marina Chapman, and she's an author. So, of a yeah, po- I'm aware of her. I, I'm you, just you know, saying I was because yeah, you didn't say the name. This is the lady you were going to talk about, is it? I yeah yeah. I I just I, I was I thought it'd be an interesting episode. Also, okay. I didn't know what you. Well, should we may try and get her yeah. on and get her story? I I've only got a little bit right, of her story, yeah. right? So, uh, Marina Chapman is an author of a popular book. In I'm a Chapman! <laughs> <laughs> she lives in Bradford in England, right? If you don't know anything about her past, you say she's probably a pretty normal person living a normal life. But her book, which is her autobiography, is so incredible that most publishers at the start refused to publish it because they just thought it was the lies. bullshit. Like, yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Marina, anyway, was kidnapped, most likely for ransom, but then was abandoned in the Colombian jungle. She was lucky enough to be adopted by a group of capuchin monkeys, which are actually known to be uh, like they've accepted human children and stuff into yeah, their groups yeah. in the past. The animals taught Marina how to catch birds and rabbits with her bare hands so she was able to survive and take care of herself. After five years, she was rescued by hunters who found her and then they sold her to a brothel. At that point, she Jesus. had no human language capabilities. She ran away from the brothel, lived on the streets and became a slave to a mafia family. And then through some connections and through some sheer luck, she made, uh, managed to get to Bradford as a nanny, where she met her future husband and now has established her own family. Yeah, that is, no, it's an interesting story, like, and it's hard to know, you know, whether it's true or not. But yeah, I have, look, I haven't read the book. I've read a bit about her story and I know of other, like, cases of feral children. I've, I've got a couple other ones here. Yeah, yeah, go on. So in December 2007... I'm a chap, man. Sorry. <laughs> Russian authorities brought in a boy who was living with wolves. He looked to be around 10 years of age, but he may have actually been a lot older. He didn't speak any Russian and exhibited wolf-like behavior. It doesn't say what that was, but I don't know. That... I'd say when he fell and hurt his knee, he went, oh. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> that could be it. Some villagers found him in a lair made from leaves and freezing temperatures fairly close to Moscow. The authorities brought him in, gave him a shower, cut his nails, but then he escaped the facility in 24 hours and nothing is known okay. of his whereabouts when since. When was this? No. In 2007, December. 2007, yeah. I know there was a case as well of another feral child. Now, I'm not like, familiar with ins and outs of it. I haven't researched this episode. <laughs> but, uh, well, let's talk about No, no, no. Uh, where, but he actually walked on all fours. Like, But I'm saying, you know, he copied the wolves. Oh, yeah, I saw did. that yeah, on YouTube yeah, yeah. there before, yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool, but it's mad to think, you know, the kids can survive through. Like, the, I mean, there are, there are cases in history where people have survived under the care of animals like it's amazing really 
Yeah, one of the most famous ones. I'd imagine that's where the story of Tarzan maybe was. Like, Mowgli, is Not it's Mowgli. Tarzan. Mowgli is the Jungle Book. Yeah. But I suppose it's the same. Concept. Is that but not? No, Tarzan is a different story. Oh, that. yeah, Tarzan yeah. That's your man who's swinging from the vines from the and Jane and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so one of the more famous ones, and when I was looking up stuff online, and there's a big article in The Guardian about this, and I can post a link because it's oh, kind right. of, it's an interesting read. It's a long enough read. Yeah, yeah. It's big, like, it's, it goes on for a while. You know when you're reading through something, you go, this is good, and then you scroll, Jesus, it goes on forever, and yeah, you read yeah. a bit. And I actually read it, because okay. I'm a good researcher. Yeah. So uh, Marcos Rodriguez Panjana, which may not be how you pronounce his name, it's a Spanish yeah, that name. That sounds better than my pronunciation of things. <laughs> Uh, he is a noted feral child. He's reportedly sold to uh, a goat herder at the age of seven by his father. Yeah, can you imagine that? Anyway, but he soon found himself alone in the mountains. Having suffered years of beatings from his stepmother, he preferred the solitude of the mountains to human company. His story is a special one, not only because he lived for 12 years in the wild with the wolves and other animals, but also because he spent a lot of time trying to integrate back into society. He's 68 years old at the moment. And uh, he's only kind of partly successfully kind of came back into uh, the human world because he yeah, spent so yeah. long out there so he said the animals guided me to eat so whenever they ate I ate he said wild boars ate insects buried under the soil they found them because they smelled them and then when they were digging the soil looking for them I threw stones at them they'd run away and then I'd dig it up and eat the insects he started to establish a relationship with some animals especially a family of wolves there's a lot of stories of people raised with wolves isn't there yeah you think wolves like I, I can kind of understand the likes of chimpanzees or monkeys you know, you can see, you've yeah. seen them interacting with people in that, but wolves, you think they'd be very... My only thought on thing with wolves yeah. is because, like, dogs, they're a bit like dogs, and dogs kind of accept humans, and it maybe just become part of the pack. Well, wolves, know? I mean, all dogs are essentially from the wolf yeah. family. Like, yeah, that's how... That's what I mean, that's yeah, what yeah. maybe, like, why, yeah. Uh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. So he said, anyway, one day I went into a cave, and I started to play with wolf cubs that lived there, and I fell asleep. Why don't you fall asleep playing with wolves? <laughs> anyway, later, the, mo- the mother brought food for them, and I woke up. She saw me and looked fiercely at me. The wolves, the wolves. Look, well, while you're here, you can eat here. <laughs> well, that's basically what happened. Yeah, the wolves started to rip the meat apart. A cub got close to me and I tried to steal his food because I was hungry too. The mother pawed at me and I backed off. After feeding her pup, she threw a piece of meat in my direction. I didn't want to, th- I didn't want to touch it because I thought that she was going to attack me. But she pushed the meat towards me with her nose. I ate it. And then I thought she was going to bite me, but she started to lick me. Am I boring you over there? I'm going to be on, yeah? <laughs> After that, he said I was one of the family. No, you're not bored. Why do people assume when you're young and you're bored? Well, I do. I'm not bored at all. Oh, like. that's all right. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, on, he, yeah, he said he also had a snake as a companion and had followed him around and shared food with him bit by bit. Uh, like, uh, and he started to learn. He had ca- a snake as a companion. A friend snake. And uh, he said, like, he had other animal friends, like foxes and deers and other types of animals, right? There's a whole interesting article in The, Gam- in the Guardian. But sadly. You can imagine some of his wolves' friends are like, hey, come here. Don't trust him, he's only a snake. Yeah, he's a snake, he's a snake. <laughs> Don't trust him, he's Dodge. <laughs> Pure Dodge. Yeah, don't believe a word he says, eh? But yeah, the guardian, and so there's a little bit of a sad part in it because when he comes back into the, uh, society, he kind of doesn't really have a place anymore and for a yeah, while yeah. media were interested in him and then he kind of like spent a lot of time kind of drinking. And then he realised that there's more snakes in the human world than the animal kingdom. Well, yeah. No, but, but you know what? People are bastards. I'd say animals, at least you know what you get with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're a bastard. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Robert. That's all right. Okay. But uh, anyway, basically, it, did, it does get a little bit sad because he kind of, he he tried to integrate back into society and he kind of developed an alcohol problem and then he was um, spent any money that he was given through like Dole or whatever he was getting and he was spending that on like, those fruit machines, you know, in... Um, the gambling machines. Gambling machines, yeah. Oh, right. So he Where was, is he from again? Sorry. He's Spanish. Spanish, all right. Yeah, that's why it was so difficult for me to pronounce I'd love to get a feral person on. 
on the show. Just oh, uh, I'd love to just get a feral person. Get I was going to get a dog, but I decided I'd get like a boy yeah, who was yeah. raised by dogs. And yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so but anyway, but he luckily enough he he befriended uh, like uh, an ex policeman, and uh, they moved kind of to a more solitudinal part of solitudinal part of Spain. Solitudinal. Solitudinal <laughs> part of Spain. Anyway, and uh, he's kind of living a happier life. Now. All right. So the question remains, did, did he really communicate with the animals in the way he remembers it? So the idea, uh, like fiction writers and stuff would kind of like to say he did, but scientists question whether or not a human would ever be allowed to live really among them. So, so they're kind of... The ho- they're questioning whether a story is true at all. Well, no, they're just saying like, did he kind of live not amongst them, but beside them? So like, I know what you mean. Following the, the way round? is his memory of it different? Because How old were... was he when this... 12. 12, yeah. So he, maybe he did just follow them around and think, but even he lived with they're, them. They're, they're, like people are kind of saying that maybe he kind of thought in his head that he was part of the pack, but he was just following them around and eating the scraps of food they left behind and stuff like that you know but maybe if you're that lonely you just think that you're friends yeah, with them yeah. you know that was still like I do, he was still there in their company like do we all of that made the tags along like and no one really yeah yeah <laughs> like Mick Mick in fairness Mick though, yeah he's good for the voiceover he is that's all he's good for his yeah. company is diabolical yeah, like. yeah. he only like all he ever talks about is us like and his voice. our podcast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah. So anyway, right. So the the interview that I'm going to play today, um, there's a woman. Her name is Ruthie Bradshaw. She goes by the name Ruthie Doolittle, uh, and she has a gift that allows her to communicate with the animals Uh, telepathically. Or telepathically, yeah. Um, So it's kind of the interview becomes self-explanatory. Don't give away too much. No. So continue to use your ears to listen, and. Yeah, we'll go to the interview. We'll come back after this. What do you think? Uh, yeah, well, I'd prefer not to come back. Okay, we'll just finish with this interview, all right? Yeah, I know, we will, yeah. <laughs> all right, see you in a minute. All right. So I've got Ruthie Bradshaw here on the line, and Ruthie has an amazing gift. Ruthie's able to communicate with animals. Hi, Ruthie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. So do you want to start off by maybe telling me a little bit about your ability? Of course, yes, absolutely. I can communicate using telepathy and heart-to-heart communication with all animals. I mean, I work mainly with cats, dogs, and horses, but I have worked with farm animals. I've worked with um, exotic animals, rodents, birds, and my early (laughs) indications that I could do this, that I had this gift, actually came from farm animals and wild animals although I didn't know what it was at the time when I was a youngster. Yeah, so how, how young were you when you started to hear the animals? I'm not sure exactly how old, but because when I first got it, it was always a feeling rather than a voice in my head or a, a, a clear dialogue or a clear movie playing out in my mind. It was always feelings, and I had them, I mean, they became very strong from about the age of eight. Okay, and so when you first yep. kind of discovered this gift, like when you told people this, how, what was their reaction? Well, I didn't really tell them exactly that I could communicate with animals. I just used to get very upset about things around animals when I was a small child. And then having gone to a all-girls convent Catholic school in Southern Ireland in the 90s, being a Protestant Brit, um, I didn't talk about that stuff because I was already the weird one. Okay, yes. And I knew that that would be absolutely, you know, I'd have been sent off to, probably I'd have been expelled, actually, because in my school, you know, the Catholicism taught that they don't believe that animals have a soul. Okay. 
And I didn't agree with that. So I knew better than to cause trouble. I kept my mouth shut, but it was a real conflict in me. And I remember it being like a box, and I pushed the lid down on the box. Um, uh, what about what about at home? What about home life outside of school and family and stuff like that? Did you did you share your your thoughts with these, with your family? So I was very blessed that I grew up in a family where we were very open minded. My parents uh, raised us with growing our own vegetables and collecting our own firewood and quite earthy roots. And when an animal transitioned in our house, it was quite normal to talk about the cat shadows that would come and visit or the dog shadows. And um, we, you know, that sort of thing wasn't scoffed at. So it was just kind of normal in my house to talk about that stuff. And I was the sensitive one. So that's how it's Can we go back a little bit there? What, what, what do you mean by cat shadows and dog shadows? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I grew up in a home where this is totally normal, and I've realized as I've got older that this isn't the mainstream. But when you feel a, a dog or a cat rubbing your legs and you look down and there's nothing there, or you see, you think you see something out the corner of your eye that looks like it's a shadow of a cat, and you look and there's nothing there. Um, I always liken this to the animals coming to visit after they've crossed the Rainbow Bridge. That's the, my logical explanation for it these days with what I know. But when we were growing up, we, we didn't even discuss what it was. It was just they were cat shadows or dog shadows, and it was a normal part of our family life. We had lots of pets over the years. And these are like spirits of animals who have passed on. Is that, is that kind of what yeah. you're saying? Okay, and yeah. the rainbow, the rainbow bridge—it's a nice way to put it. Is that that's like doggy heaven or cat heaven or something like that? Yeah, it's just—it's just a nice way to refer to when they when they die. Okay, okay. So when you speak to these animals or when you hear these animals speak, do you talk in the animals like the noise of a cat? Do you meow at the cat, or does the cat meow at you, or do you just telepathically do it? Oh, that's a brilliant question, actually. Um, so. <laughs> Actually, for years, I always spoke to them in their language and, uh, and got lots of responses back, but I didn't really understand what was happening. And as I developed my gift, actually, I hear their words in my head, as crazy as this sounds, their words in my head, but it's their words and it's their expression, but it's my voice. Okay. And then I have a dialogue with them in my mind. I mean, I say it's my gift. Everybody's born with this ability, but we are not raised in a way that encourages it and it isn't, you know, it's sort of viewed as a bit abstract or a bit witchy. And actually, um, I mean, we've all, got these, we've all got these abilities. We've all got intuitive abilities within us. And as children, we're naturally very open and become yeah. less so as we, as we get more uh, grown up. Okay, so... Okay, so you reckon that maybe everybody has this ability, but we're just not tuning into it. Okay, okay. So when when you when you are say for instance you're speaking with a dog and you're you're interpreting back and forth, what do it, it, it's in English obviously when you hear it in the, in your voice, is it? Yes, it is. I have communicated with animals that live abroad or have um, you know have dual dual families that sort of thing. They I they always communicate in English, although when I was in Texas, all the horses were yarling on me. So they said, <laughs> <laughs> I was quite surprised. I was, you know, I was intrigued and surprised at the same time. But yeah, I have noticed they have a their own colloquialisms like we do, and that's you know that's what comes through when I'm communicating with them. So it's quite clear that it's not my wild imagination. And is it is it all animals? 
is it all animals that you can speak to? Like, for instance, like insects and butterflies and stuff like that. Can you communicate with those, or is it just more like mammals? No, it is actually all animals, insects too. <laughs> um, what what and, does an insect have to say? What 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 are they? What what you know? Because well, for some reason, I don't equate. I suppose the same kind of. You know, a cat and a dog, you kind of think a bit more about them, but you don't really think about it like a spider on your window as having a life no. in the same way, you know? No, and I, I understand that totally. In fact, I have been on this journey myself, you know, with you know becoming more and more aware. And actually, in my experience, the insects are a lot, have a lot simpler messages. They don't have any of the hang-ups that our domestic animals have, you know, cats and dogs that live with humans and are trying to work out uh, their own their own stuff with human stuff and depending on whether they've been rescued or what their pasts are that adds further complexities to them insects are much simpler you know they don't they're free they're completely free spirits and they're not attached to living with humans okay. so they don't, they don't have that dependency they also um, can go and feed themselves you know they're not waiting for somebody to the master to feed them or anything like that so they're a lot more simple in many ways, but they're also, I think, a lot more profound. So bees, for instance, bees are constantly talking to us about the sense of community and how humanity needs community to survive. And that bees have, they say, you, humans have a lot to learn from us. Things like um, bees who live in a hive, every single bee has their own job. Yeah. We live in a world where people can multitask, they're multi-talented, you know, um, the old days of traditional families where there were women doing women's work and men doing men's work, that doesn't exist anymore, you know, it doesn't, in first world countries, um, you know, women can work full time, buy a house, raise a family, do all of those things, put up shelves, they can do all of that stuff on their own, guys can cook and wash and clean, and so, you know, the lines are blurred in many ways. And, and how how when you say you're having say you're you're getting these this information from a bee is it just basically you're sitting there and you can just hear what the bee is saying in your head and it's back and forth or is that basically just how it happens you, you just kind of walk up yeah. to your eyes and you can you can hear the conversation between them and you can kind of join the conversation or how does that happen so yeah pretty much and that's an, that's a very good question actually. So there is a process to go through with opening up and connecting with animals, but some animals have got quite an urgent message, and they can read energy different to, you know, their eyes are much different to ours, and they don't have all these um, limiting beliefs that filter stuff through. Yeah. So they see things very differently. I mean, they can see a, a much wider spectrum of color than us, and they can see energy much clearer than us. So they can read our aura, the energetic field around our body, all much, much clearer than we can. And so they will know if you're an open person or a communicator-type person. Uh, okay. So they might, for instance, they might come and land on me, or they might slow down what they're doing. They might just ignore me and carry on with what they're doing. So it's showing me that they're open to an interaction. And I would, you know, I wouldn't just rush in and say, hey, bees, tell me what do I need to know. And I wouldn't walk up to a stranger and say, hello, tell me your stupid secret about <laughs> spirituality, for instance. You know, it's the same thing. Okay, so I would okay. approach them with an open heart and be slow in my pace to let them know that, you know, I'm not a threat. And would then watch and wait and connect on a heart level. 
and then it would literally just the dialogue would just start to flow but they're not in my experience insects aren't really chatty like a lot of dogs and cats and horses have got an awful lot to say it's a lot simpler it's a lot slower pace i mean one of the messages from bees is that us humans are far too busy and we need to be more like them watch the bees observe the bees and be more um, not so caught up and distracted in our, you know, highly technical day-to-day fast-paced life. Okay. And when you say that the, the, they don't have the same kind of chattiness as a cat or a dog or a horse, what 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 is the main thing a dog says to you? What what is what is like what is a dog? If a dog could talk to a human right now. What is the kind of what are the, what's on the top of the dog's agenda that they'd like humans to know? Oh my goodness, it really depends on the dog and the circumstances. So because most of the animals that I work with are family pets or a, yeah. a, loved, so a dearly loved animal. So they, I've been asked to go and connect with them because the family either are curious, want to know um, more, get to know their animal, or they've got specific questions they want answered. But I always ask every animal, what would you, you, know, have you, what would you like to share? And usually it's along the lines of how grateful they are for the kindness that they're being shown. Okay. And some sort of message. If I had to say what's the most common thing everybody says, it's why do you worry so much? Okay. Okay. Because they're actually, most animals are very, very present. They're not worrying about, oh, what's going to happen next week? What will I wear? What meetings? How will I get to that meeting? What will Aunt Flo say? You know, they're not worrying about this stuff. They're in the moment going, yeah, this is nice. This moment's lovely. It seems like a nice way to live, really, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it really does. It really does. And uh, we're very caught up in either, you know, thinking about the past or the future and not actually enjoying this moment we've got, this gift of right now. And how many how many how many pets or animals do you do you have yourself? Oh my goodness! Uh, okay, so I have nine. We have um, two rats. We have four cats, a bearded dragon, a dog, and I share a horse. You share a horse. Right. And when you when you're in the room with all these animals, is it, is it like a busy conversation? Do you kind of have to kind of, <laughs> do you have to shush them and say, "Hold on, I'm talking to the dog at the moment. Can you just give me a second there?" <laughs> Do they have their own problem? Do they have their own problems with each other that you need to kind of work out? Is it like is it like a oh, domestic family? Yes, it is a domestic family. We have got problems within. Uh, we've got one cat who absolutely hates other cats, so she lives upstairs and outside. She doesn't interact with the other cats, and we've had to really work at that relationship with the other three. Um, see, they're, main, they're mainly all rescues, so they've got their own stuff. You know, they come with their own stuff. Okay. Uh, they don't. They don't all talk at once, but they can. They can. In which case, it's like you know, guys, come on, one at a time. You know, I can't hear you all. But generally, the animals that we share our home with, they are. They'll come and seek us if they want to talk to us, or um, because then they can have that one-to-one time. Yeah. Okay. But other animals, if I go to a multi-animal household, and especially if they. They know I'm coming, so I've asked the family to let their animal know that, you know, a, a bit of a different lady's coming to visit and it's perfectly okay to talk to me. Um, then in that case, I can arrive and, and they'll be like, well, I've got this to say and I want to go first and blah, 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 blah. And I have to say, you know, guys, one at a time, one at a time. And in that case, they will usually sort it out amongst themselves and then they'll get in some sort of order or some sort of line and, and queue up 
to talk to me. I've had this so many times, cats, dogs, horses. Do um, they queue up in the voices or do they actually queue up in a line as the animals? Physically, physically queue up in a line. Uh, I've got pictures well, okay. of the around me dogs. Uh, yeah, it's happened many times. But, yeah, the talking, you know, it's like, guys, guys, one at a time. It's sort of like excited children. They're like, oh, my goodness, there's a lady here that can hear us. I'm going first, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I have to say, you know, um, one at a time. And the thing is, I work in person, and I also work online. So yesterday I was working online with one dog, but he lived in a house with three dogs. And the lady asked me this question. She said, you know, similar question what you've asked. She said, how, how is it with the other dogs? And I said, well, I've connected with your dog. And it's a bit like a, a frame. I, you know, I've got boundaries around this. is a communication that we're having. And I have to invite be aware that they know what's going on and they would like to come and join in. And her great Dane puppy came and literally licked the camera. <laughs> and uh, just to let us know that, you know, he really wants to have a chat as well. So it wasn't his session yesterday. So, you know, I, I really try and honour what I've been asked to do and, and give the animal that time when... We connect, <laughs> but other animals around are curious, and you know they they often yeah. have uh, something they want to say as well. Well, it's, it's fascinating. I just have one more question. When when you say you've spoken to horses, and I always often wondered this. You know, when you look at horse racing and stuff like that, do horses enjoy racing with someone on their back, or is that something they're forced to do? So they actually quite enjoy riding. They are not so keen on some of the practices that we see in modern horsemanship. And there's a big movement towards natural horsemanship, which the horses absolutely thrive under. A lot of the training, not just with horses, but with animals around the world, has come through dominance and fear-based training. Right. And you see that particularly with domestication of things like animals and um, you know wild animals in circuses, that sort of thing. You see that very much is dominance training and training has moved on I mean even in the dog world training has moved on it used to all be about dominance and you've got to be the boss with your dog and you've got to put your dog down and you know really um, be very strong and firm with it and actually there's a big change in dog training world as, as new theories have come to light and actually positive reinforcement is much much more beneficial and doesn't uh, present the challenges that come with fear-based training because it doesn't always work and um, breaking an animal's spirit isn't actually a very nice way to go about working in a two-way relationship with them so no, of it's, course quite yeah. it's quite controversial actually um, because there's a you know there's a big movement of people that have been brought up with more old-fashioned ways and I'm not saying that they're not kind because they may well have an enormous kind heart. They're doing what they know and what they've been trained to do. But there are many different ways to approach training animals these days that doesn't involve a harsh bit in the mouth. It doesn't involve um, sticks or dominant or electric collars or, you know, there's lots of things that have moved on. And um, we've seen this over hundreds of years of training, especially dogs, uh, that actually... If it's done badly, you can end up with a, a real problematic animal on your hands. And even if it's done well, the animal is constantly in submission, which is basically them fearing for their life because they might do something wrong. And no, I don't think any living being should experience that. No, well, I'm in total agreement with you there. So, uh, Ruthie, I'm going to let you go now. But before we go, is, if people want to get in contact with you, how do they go about doing that? 
So I'm available on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. My handle is at Ruthie Doolittle. I'll spell that R-U-T-H-Y-D-O-O-L-I-T-T-L-E on Facebook, on Twitter, and on my website. I always offer anybody interested in working with me a complimentary call over a cup of tea for 30 minutes, and you can book that through my website. All my links are all over social media. And we can have a chat about the possibilities of working together. I'd love to hear from anybody who's interested about exploring this further. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. And do, do you always do it in person, or do you do it over the phone, or does it have to be in person? No, it doesn't have to be in person at all. This is what's so amazing about it. So a lot of my clients have been across the globe, Australia, America, on the continent. So I work on Zoom, uh, which is like an online video conferencing software that is very simple to use. Okay. Um, I do visit people locally. Of course, the more that I'm on the road, the less that I'm available to connect more people with their animals and I'm really on a mission to connect millions of hearts around the world and raise the vibration of love through sharing these lovely connections with people. Yeah, well, it's a fantastic message. And uh, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Okay, so that was my interview with uh, Ruthie Doolittle Bradshaw. It was. Do you want to give out her uh, Instagram there? For yeah, me? so uh, sorry about that. There was a little bit of the phone call there where you kind of missed a bit of the information. So just at the end when she was giving her details out. So her name is... On Instagram is Ruthie, R-U-T-H-Y, and then Doolittle, D-O-O-L-I-T-T-L-E. And people, I suppose, can contact her. The, the whole thing is if you want to see how your animal's feeling and you don't Yeah, know. or if you've got, I suppose, an animal. Because I think there is depression and stuff is real in dogs and stuff like that. So maybe, because yeah. they do, I know they do like... Don't you, Americans have like dog antidepressants? There is Valium for dogs and stuff. Yeah, and I yeah. suppose maybe if you didn't want to give your dog Valium, if you wanted to get Ruthie in to talk to... Might be able to give therapy. Which you might, exactly, yeah. But like, Rather look, than just medicate them, you know? Ruthie, she actually seems like a really lovely, nice woman. Yeah, I think she just, I think she really loves animals. I think yeah. she seems like she's got a good spirit Obviously, for like. You know, you can come at it like I'd be, I'm a bit skeptical in the case of because it is something that obviously is hard to believe. Yeah, of course. And I think you know when she went to school in Ireland, she kind of felt like you know a bit of an outsider, being a Protestant or whatever. And in the school, they thought that animals didn't have a soul, and she kind of felt like she pushed that down. Was it maybe that she was a bit lonely in school, and that was kind of a way to? Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. Her, like, her reasoning for it is that everybody has the ability to do this, and she grew up. Luckily, she said in a family where it was encouraged to kind of be yeah. open and talk, and you know, they. I de- look. I definitely believe some people can have more of a connection with animals, where you can, like, you can feel more. Like, it's easy to tell if a dog is upset or scared or. Well, that's what we said at the start. A dog can kind of read you, and maybe yeah. if you give enough, time, like, you know, there's a whole stories, but like, you know, that like the Navajo, you know, the Indians, like, or the North, uh, Native Americans, they seem to have a real connection with animals and wolves and stuff like that, and they used to kind of nearly communicate through. Yeah, with, with the animals, and I don't know. Maybe it's a thing that has been lost through time because we're so busy on our phones and everything like that. You don't know, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I know. I love the whole thing with the insects being free spirited. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just did this image of these insects. It's really easy going. Like, just hippie insects. Hippie insects. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. Whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. 
We are doing our own thing. I don't know why. Of course, he's an Indian, is he? <laughs> we are doing our own thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, exactly. But I, I don't think she seems like she's a good, nice person oh, who's kind of doing. Isn't even I don't know what she was on about communicating with bees there. Does she just go up to the hive and say, What's the buzz? That's what I was saying. Yeah, what's the buzz? Yeah, yeah. What's the buzz, guys? What's happening? Tell me what's the story. But, uh, uh, and yeah. insects aren't as chatty. Yeah. They're just kind of a bit more chill, isn't that what you said? I thought it was funny the animals queue up to talk to her as well. But look, however you feel about it, that's, you know, your own thing. And people might be interested in exploring it. like Absolutely, but you look, I think, and it seems to be a thing that she's got clients and stuff around the world that deal with it. So it must be something that people are, you see, I don't know, you, you've got, you've got animals, dog, don't yeah. you? You have a cat, I have a dog. Yeah, well, I don't have a cat. That's my mother's cat. Oh, right. I don't particularly I don't like I don't, cats. I'm not a big cat fan. I hate cats. They're a bit... I'm afraid of cats. Do you know what they're nice? Kittens can be kind of nice, right? When they're, yeah, pit, yeah. they're babies and they're playful and all that. But once they kind of... Like, they go through, like, they're like adults, become, you know, less interested in... They're, see, cats are very... They don't give a, they don't they don't show affection like dogs do. Only they when they just, want food. I yeah, think, they do yeah. their own thing, and I don't know. I don't yeah. like them. At Independent. All. No, well, no. If, if they do their own thing, when they just get their own house. Yeah. Speaking of training animals and stuff, which she talked about there, she doesn't believe with some of the in some of the, the methods methods of people yeah. training. I watched a very good documentary the last night. I'm just gonna throw it out there because it is on YouTube for anyone who wants to watch okay. it. Yep. It's called Cat Dancers. Right. And it's about uh, a couple who. They were ballet. They were ballet dancers, very professional ballet dancers. And then they introduced exotic animals into their stage show. Like you'd be familiar with, uh, can't think of their names in Las Vegas. Who with the two? Oh, white the guys guys. with the hair. Uh, yeah, yeah. The two. And come back tigers. to me. Go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, this is basically Le- Le- Leroy and Leroy and Brown, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of their names. Okay, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Robin Rats or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, cat dancers on YouTube. Definitely check it out because it is one of them. Uh, they bring exotic animals into their... It's an interesting story. Your man is... The guy from it is in the documentary. But Siegfried it actually, and Roy. Siegfried and Roy, that's it. Yeah. But it actually... The documentary has, as you can imagine, a kind of traumatic end. But oh, really? Yeah, it's definitely... It's worth what, watching. What's it called? Cat Dancers. Cat Dancers. It's yeah. on YouTube. Oh, check, check it out. It out check yeah. it out. Check it out. Have a check look. Check it out. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you, uh, let us know what you think about uh, Ruthie and stuff like that as well. You can get in contact with us on our Instagram page, Rob Rat Podcast. Yeah, uh, we didn't actually give it out today. No, well, we're giving out a lot. I just think one's probably yeah, enough, yeah, people it? know. It's Rob Rat Podcast. Yeah. On all, 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 all platforms. Can, all platforms. You know, yeah. just go and have a look and talk to us if you want. So what I've got here now is just some interesting animal facts, right? <sighs> I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jesus, come on. Will you shut up, will <laughs> you? Yeah, I know. Some interesting, but like, it's uh, some more like, interesting animal facts like that you may, may not have known previously. Yeah. Uh, you may have known them. And if you know them, just, you know, pretend you don't. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's no, on, amazing. Yeah, so... Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm going. So, right, so flamingos, right? Yeah. So they're not actually pink. Yeah? Uh, yeah, they're born grey, but their diet of shrimp and algae contains a natural pink dye called cantanaxanin that makes their feathers pink. So flamingos in zoos often used to lose their colouring because people weren't aware of this. So then zookeepers have supplemented their diets with the stuff that they eat in the wild and they get their pink colouring back. What they could do is just give them... Um, pink food colouring. Yeah, it? that's yeah, what or, I was going to say. Give just, them whatever they want. Or dye to their hair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dye their hair. But that's, that's where the colouring comes from, just from eating so much... Um, that is interesting. Isn't it? There you go, that is interesting. Do you know what I realised? If you eat loads of carrots, you can go orange. You know that? If you eat nothing but carrots. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, carrot juice and uh, everything. Yeah. Um, I noticed, I say, inter- that's it. That's interesting, interesting, on this podcast a lot. Well, it's an interesting podcast, You'd be, you know what I mean? It's very interesting, I, I, I just think it in my head. But, it is interesting. Uh, so dolphins, 
they use uh, toxic pufferfish uh, to get high. So dolphins deliberately handle pufferfish, causing them to release... Handle? To- well, they, yeah, they, with a head lock touch. Flipper. Right? They flipper pufferfish, causing them to release toxins as a defense mechanism. These toxins can be deadly in high doses, but also have a narcotic effect and are a powerful hallucinogenic, which, caused, which uh, dolphins appear to enjoy. A documentary witnessed them passing around the pufferfish in a pod before floating just underneath the water surface, apparently mesmerized by their own reflections in the water. That's cool. Yeah, so tripping, they're, just, they're tripping out. out. And a bit more about the pufferfish. It contains... So a toxin that is up to 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide to humans. God. There's enough toxin in one pufferfish to kill 30 adult humans. God. And there's no known antidote. Amazingly... That's dis- scary. Yeah, despite this... Has, has a pufferfish ever killed a human? Well, I wonder. Well, listen, right? A pu- despite this, some pufferfish puff meat is considered a delicacy in Japan. The meat, the meat is called fugu and it's very expensive. And Wasn't it's re- that covered? Sorry to interrupt. In the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. it. That's what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, yeah, yeah. So, but it's very expensive and they need, the chefs need to have three years of rigorous training to remove the toxic parts of the meat so the diners can eat it. That's kind of like... Uh, You're playing with fire a bit it's there, a bit aren't of you? A, yeah, a Russian roulette. Isn't of, it? Of, Would you uh, not just have the, the salmon? Of catering. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I was actually at a wedding where yeah, it was beef pufferfish. or salmon or pufferfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the groom was trying to get out of the bar. John, give me the pufferfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the world's most deadly animal. What do you think it is? Uh, your cat. Your yeah, man's cat. Could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the most deadly animal isn't a shark. It's not a bear or a tiger. It's something far smaller. A mosquito. Uh, mosquito, okay. A mosquito. According to the World Health Organization. Yeah. They do. Oh, they do. <laughs> Mosquitoes suck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 725,000 people are killed each year from mosquito-borne diseases. 725,000 people. As well from being transferred. Kind diseases, of diseases, yeah, diseases. such as malaria, dengue fever, and yellow fever. They okay. outnumber every other animal in the world, apart from ants and termites. And they can be found in nearly every part of the they world. They outnumber ants. No, except for ants oh, and sorry. termites. Oh, they sorry, outnumber sorry, every sorry. other animal. Okay. Uh, another fact: bats. Uh, the fruit bat can eat up to a thousand mosquitoes in a day. So he's well. That's good. They're kind of fighting the cause there. Yeah, they're helping us out. A lot of people don't like bats, but they are doing uh, pretty good stuff there. I don't mind bats at all. They're really cool. Yeah. So there are more than one point four billion insects for each human on the planet. So we're way outnumbered by insects. And they're they're very free spirited. They're like. very free spirited. They've yeah. got energy. But if they decided to get together, we'd be in a bit of bother like. The only thing and is take over. Yeah. So the shortest living animal in the world is the mayfly. Its entire lifespan. How short is it? Twenty four hours. Oh right. Twenty four hours. That's all it lives. So uh, the mayfly is born, it reproduces and then dies during this uh, during a day. And some species of mayfly only live for eight to ten hours. I can imagine uh, Ruthie maybe having a session with some guy going um I was bored. I've got a day to live. Like. Chatting to a mayfly, right? Yeah. And uh, Ruth is saying, "Look, have you got any payments?" I'm going, "I'll get you tomorrow." I'll get She's you like, tomorrow. Ah, yeah. Ah, oh, ah. yes, very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roosters, right? They prevent themselves from going deaf due to their own loud crowing by tilting their heads back when they crow, which covers their ear canal completely. As like a built-in ear. Oh, so they can cover their ears, but everyone yeah, else they tilt the head listen, back and they go do an old rooster. Can you do one? What is a rooster? I was going to do a cock up. That's not it. That's the. That's it, kind of, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. A study showed is, that they're. Uh, cro- is there anyone else in the studio? No. <laughs> their average is of over 100 decibels loud, which is roughly the same as a chainsaw. The noise. God. Made. Yeah. So they, so they probably will go deaf. There are cool, like, animals out there. Do you know what I mean? I used to, I had, um, I had a budgie gear, budgie for. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. For, I got him when I was 10. He, Passed away when I was twenty. 
two? He had 12 year old. No, no, sorry, I'm wrong. He was, mm. he was 17 years old. I was 27 when he right. died. You okay? But, uh, I'm fine now. I've gotten yeah. over it. No, but he was cool, Oscar. He was Oscar. Cool. But he used to, like, I always I kept his cage open quite a bit, yeah. but he'd come out, fly, land on my shoulder. And I know he was a cool, he was a cool bird. Birds man. are cool enough, yeah. But I, I suppose, you know, I felt bad in the way that he was, you know, can. Living in a cage and there, but if, he was, if you left the cage open, he just basically lived. Yeah, in but the he house. didn't come out. He was kind of at uh, towards the end. I think he was a bit institutionalized. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wow, yeah. So little is known about the Elisa, uh, elusive giant squid. However, the largest squid ever found measured over fifty feet and weighed nearly a ton. So, Jeez. to put that into perspective, that's bigger than a bus. God, so that's a squid. You don't know what's in that water down there, really. And what bl- water. The water, like the ocean, you the know. The old water. The old water. You don't know what's down there. You don't know what's water. I don't... Yeah, this, like, fair enough going for a swim in the pool or whatever, but, like, swimming out in the open ocean is kind of a... Say, especially if you're in another country. I actually went scuba diving in um, Egypt. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool, but as well, I was a bit terrified, like... Cause, like, seeing cool fish in that, but the, there are... There can be sharks in them yeah, waters yeah. and stuff, so... Yeah, it's terrifying enough. Like, what did you go to the pyramids when you were in Egypt? I did, yeah. Yeah, you'd want to, I suppose. They, um, yeah, were you, you were never there. No? I was never in Egypt. No, pyramids are cool, but the only thing is, a lot of people had warned me going that people who had been there in the pyramids, there were guys there who want to sell souvenirs and bits, but they literally folly around, kind of harassed it. Okay, it's the yeah, worst just, ever yeah, I've yeah. ever been for a place to. They're like, in the pyramid. No, no, they're, they're around the pyramids. Can you get you, into you know when tour, tourists get off the boat? There's some of the smaller ones you can go into. They don't allow tourists into the bigger ones anymore. Right. I tried to bring home a piece of one of the bigger pyramids, just like a rock. Just from pick it, it up, yeah. And uh, yeah, you get like, stopped. I know. I threw it away in the airport. I got paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Shut up your bum. <laughs> <laughs> Still up there. <laughs> yeah, actually, when I was in Australia, back, I know, oh, but like I was doing surfing lessons, right? And I was trying to learn to surf properly. And uh, yeah, well, that's the lessons. Yeah, trying to. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was a pro surfer, but I went for lessons to show off. Like yeah. no, yeah. So I was out there in the water, and next thing, uh, like a, the shark alarm goes off on the beach. It's like woo woo, and everyone's just getting out of the water. Like, and I'm fucking sitting on the board trying to get in, and like a helicopter's flying over the top, and guys are going out in jet skis trying to figure out what it is. But a big great white shark was out in the water. God, yeah. But did no one say? Did no one call you in or whatever? That, an alarm, and everyone that just started oh, waving you in, okay. so everyone had to get out of the water. But like, I didn't want to get into water, so I'm on the board trying to paddle my way in without getting out uh, into the water. You know what I mean? I would have just jumped in and got. Were well, you far out? Just a bit out, like yeah. You're trying to catch a wave, so you're out behind the break of the wave. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, like that's frightening. And then what they sound. do is they go out in the yeah, they go out. The helicopter trying to spot them, and then the guys in the jet skis basically go out trying to scare them off. Funnily enough, I was actually looking up uh, shark attack survivors. To, I thought it'd be cool to get one on for a. Future, yeah. future episode like. Yeah I actually have a bit about that Coming up I have some information On shark attacks yeah. Bit of fucking um, Telepathy going on here <laughs> There is yeah, We're connection hey. Right a blue whale Right the tongue of a blue whale Can weigh as much as a car Their heart is the size Of a car isn't it as well, well I think the tongue is Anyway that's the information I've got Or a small adult <laughs> elephant right? Yeah god so it can weigh like 2.7 ton, uh, tons It's the biggest living creature Yeah it is Yeah, on yeah. Earth. yeah they reckon it ever was yeah. Like yeah And uh, speaking of baby elephants Elephants suck their trunks For comfort Baby elephants oh. So like just like babies and children sucking their tongues. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. The fastest land animal? Uh cheetah. The cheetah, right? But I didn't I knew it was fast, right? But it can reach speeds up to seventy five miles an hour or hundred and twenty kilometers an hour. That's the speed you can go on like on a motorway in Ireland. Imagine one of them chasing. Just cheetah yeah. just flying up beside you. Now I think they can only do it for a certain amount of time, you know, ah, they yeah, get wrecked. Yeah. But geez, that's still some speed. The peregrine falcon is the fastest bird with a diving speed of 242 miles an hour. Peregrine falcon, yeah. Yeah. And then the black marlin is the fastest sea animal at 130k. Only 5% of cheetah cubs actually survive to adulthood. 
Why is that? Because they just get killed by lions and other predators and disease and stuff. They don't really make it. Like, it's tough going on the old cheetahs, you know? Jeez. This is an interesting one, right? The Dementor Wasp, right? Dementor Wasp? The Dementor. Okay. Dementor. What it, is it, a Dementor Wasp? A Dementor Wasp. is a type of wasp, right? But it paralyzes cockroaches with venom. It, so it sticks its stinger into the venom into the, uh, into the cockroach's head. And it basically turns them into kind of like a zombie-like state. And the toxins leave the cockroach <coughs> unable to control its own movements, which incredibly makes it run into the wasp's nest to meet the demise. And then the venom cuts into the brain activity, making cockroaches kind of like their sense of fear and stuff like goes away. And then the Dementor wasp will lay eggs on the inside the cockroach to act as an incubator for its young. And then the cockroach will walk around kind of mad. And, and then, God, the, then the young wake up and crash out and break out through the... That Cockroach, is like something out of a severe horror it? film. But like that, that's one of the things where people like question like God, what the hell are you at there? Like, you know, see, what kind of day is he having where he's going like, I'm going to make this cockroach and then I'm going to make a wasp that yeah, can like yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's cruel. Yeah. It's cruel. Yeah. It is cruel. Half of all the pigs in the world are kept by farmers in China. Really? Half of all the pigs in the world. There are well, over 400, pigs 440 well. million pigs in China. Pigs will eat anything. Like they'll even eat bone. Won't that's they? in that right. film Snatch, isn't it? I didn't see Snatch. No. No. Okay, well, there's a guy on about he, how, how long it'd take, um, I guess, a bunch of pigs to get rid of a human body. Yeah, but they would eat. I think oh, they'd, they'd eat everything. They'd go through it all. Yeah, they yeah. reckon you want to pull the fingernails and the hair off first rather than pulling it out of the pig poo afterwards. It's better to get rid of if you're trying to get rid of a body. Jeez, you sound a bit too <laughs> fucking, uh, yeah. a bit well, too that, educated yeah. in this matter. Uh, so great white sharks, right, can detect a drop of blood in 25 gallons of water. It's 100 litres. And yeah, it can yeah. send tiny amounts of blood from three miles away. That's frightening. Like, yeah. You won't want to be going swimming if you had a cut in your knee no, here. No, but it's three miles away, they can sense it. And they just start coming for you, like. <laughs> no, What's that, blood? No, <laughs> Gone, no, no. yeah. Like that, uh, that iconic music from the Jaws movies. Yeah, yeah. The rift of... Your man yeah, actually feels yeah. very bad about that. I read it somewhere that like he feels really bad because like loads of sharks, like, he really put a fear of sharks into the nation. Oh, he did, yeah. And like people, the sharks have been culled and they've been like, you know, they've been given this bad name because not all sharks are out there eating people, you know. It's how often do people actually get eaten? Not that often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't paint them all with the same brush. Yeah, pretty much. This is the last fact I have, right? Thank God. The, ma- <laughs> the male seahorse. <laughs> Yeah. Goes through pregnancy oh, and, g- I know and gives that. birth to yeah. babies. That's what you know, cool, yeah. yeah, isn't it? So the only animal on earth that the male carries the baby rather than the female. The male seahorse has a pouch on his stomach to carry babies at as much as two thousand. That time. is cool. Do you ever see them giving birth? No, I have. Yeah, it's kind of like no. They just literally squirt them out. I think they're. Bum. I, they're, I don't think it's their bum or their... I, I want to say beak. <laughs> Go on, say beak. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know what? If we can find it, I'd love to yeah, we'll put have a, a video we'll have on a look. Uh, We'll have a look, yeah. Seahorse male giving birth. That is going to be exclusive. Check out our Instagram yeah, we're gonna find. Facebook. We'll have an interview with a seahorse after he's given birth. Yeah, yeah. no, we're going to find a seahorse giving birth. Uh, yeah, sorry, I actually do have some more facts. I don't want like, I'm like so there's this. an average of I'm, I'm learning every acre right you know an acre like acorn an acre a green like yeah, an area of, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so there's an average uh, if it's green like if it's a green field or whatever there's an average of 50,000 spiders fuck yeah sorry that's alright that's a reaction yeah, yeah. 50,000 like you wouldn't think it that's a lot yeah they're getting a lot bigger in Ireland, I know. Spiders, they seem to be, yeah, yeah. They seem to be getting bigger. There's more of them. Like, like there are. Have you, you a fear of spiders? Or? No, I don't mind them at all. If there was one here in the room, a big one, would you mind? No, I've, I've, held, I've held spiders and handled spiders. I don't Where, mind. in Australia? Well, in Australia. No, because they'll kill you. <laughs> but I've had a tarantula in my hand and stuff before. Where? Um, in a pet shop. All right. Yeah. I'd never hold one. Did, they, did, like, did you ask to hold yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah, what? I used to have a pet snake. Is that? Did you? Yeah, Matilda was her name. It got given to me. Uh, she was like a by who? A guy. I used to work in Woody's, which is like a DIY kind of garden center. There's a guy there. Aaron was his name. <laughs> he, was yeah, to, yeah. he was from England. He was moving back, and he was moving away from Ireland. And, and he, he had, had a, a he had a snake, and I had been in his house a couple of times and picked it up and liked it. And he he gave me the snake because he couldn't mind it. He couldn't anymore. bring it. He couldn't bring it with him. So and what he, happened to the snake? I had it for about five years, and then I gave it to my friend Craig Nocton. Okay. And then Craig had a baby and didn't think it'd be safe to have a snake in the house with the baby, and he gave it away. I don't know what happened to her then. Uh, so I'd check it out with Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that snake yeah. now? Craig ate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so right, you've got you've got what? You just a dog? You have? You have any other pets? I just have a dog. I used to have a budgie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What's the dog called? Uh, Chase. Chase. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Do so you... no, I would met the dog before. It's like hyper enough little animal, isn't it? Yeah, he's, they're annoying. Like, it's a Bichon Frise. <laughs> is uh, it a Bichon Frise? <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? Is that just a Bichon Frise that you just put no, a name on the no, end of it? No, that's actually how he found it. Oh, a Bichon Frise. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, he's quite annoying. I, I stood at him out twice. You what? Stood at him out. Oh, right. I, yeah, stood, yeah. I stood on a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> twice. twice. <laughs> no, I stood at him out. He's got two... That, oh, you put him up for stud? I put him up for stud on the website. Yeah. I made 600 euro off him. And did now, you have to re- extract the semen from him himself or do you just let him have yeah, sex? Yeah, I with... just gave him a little hand shandy. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I didn't... Uh, I kind of researched it just a little bit. And well, he's a purebred, is he? He is a purebred. And that's why we. I wanted... We, were going, we, we got him neutered because... I think they can. If, uh, what you got muted it after you? No, not after yeah. after he had the kids. But uh, apparently, when they're uh, horny or whatever, they yeah. can get a bit vicious. So oh, yeah. I decided can't to get be all, Can't be all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that why you're a bit off? This this is a, yeah. No, no. But that's um, why I'm not aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but apparently, before you get them muted, it's good for them to have a a go or two for right, just to get it out get of the, the system. experience. But I decided to start them out, and yeah, he's. How much did you charge? 600 How much did the dog I, cost? I had a contract for who came. I typed up a contract. So right. basically it was 100 euros. You made up a contract. It yeah. was 100 euros up front. <laughs> yeah. And then if the dog kept the pups, then if the dog kept the pups, then they'd pay the remaining money. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. But no, it was good. And he, yeah, fathered two pups from... I only wanted to know families. And does he still have contact with families. them? He just sees them every second weekend now? Or what? <laughs> he sees them every second weekend now. He's fallen out with one of the women, though. Yeah. She's a bit difficult. She's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, funnily enough, right? To get that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A female yeah. dog. Yeah. But uh, funny story. When your man came, the first guy with his pup dog to have... In intercourse with my dog. Yeah, doggy uh, sex. Yeah, they were out the back. Doggy style. They were out the back having sex. Anyway, this is the first time. Straight away, as soon as the dog bitch, she was in heat. He was fairly up for aroused. It. Like yeah. he was well up for it. Like, uh, uh, they were out the back anyway. And once they started going out, not long after. Are you bit, just watching it? Like, oh, I was watching it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just sitting there going to be watching the dog have sex. <laughs> but like, so watching me. That's my boy. Your man wanted <laughs> a it. tear running down yeah. your eye. No, yeah. yeah. That's my boy. No, no. But okay, right. They were having intercourse anyway, the dogs. And I didn't read it. They kind of, she started howling, crying. Yeah. And then she went to kind of move away and he turned, they were back to back and she couldn't get away. They were stuck together. Oh, yeah. Did you know that happens? No. Yeah, I didn't know that happens. I thought there was something wrong. Right. I was like, because she was crying and they couldn't, he was was walking and kind of pulling her along because they were stuck bum to bum. But apparently Bum to bum Yeah well he'd actually turn But his oh, willy was still Jesus. there But uh, You think it'd be him that'd yeah, be crying I actually <laughs> rang a neighbour of mine Who's a vet And I was like Man I've got Get this dog Explain the situation He said oh yeah that does happen And people There's probably listeners Who are aware that dogs When they are in there's, probably, there's probably people Who will watch the dogs <laughs> having sex I don't know No yeah. no but when they When they are doing that When they're having Dogs do stick right. Until they're finished Or whatever okay. And then they the come apart yeah, right. it's, yeah it's called 
I don't know what it's called, but it's called sex yeah, between yeah. animals. Yeah, okay. yeah, because I know cats have like a barbed kind of penis or something. Yeah. that's why. It's, that's why you all hear like I actually have one of them. A, barbed, a cat or a barbed penis? Barbed penis. <laughs> I've just got a cat. Yeah. <laughs> so the most part back to this that's why it hurts anyway. my hand when I oh yeah it's covered in cuts all the way you gotta use those chainmail <laughs> gloves yeah <laughs> so the most popular pets in the world right that was the news I'm sorry <laughs> the most popular pets in the world is actually uh, the, the most pets is fish yeah right well, they're born yeah but I suppose because like actually the most popular thing in the world is a dog as a pet to have but because if you have a house you might have a tank with like loads of fish so there's more pet fish than there are anything yeah, I made mine at turpins, you know, they're a type of turtle. Yeah, they're small guys. And one killed the other. But no, they're big, they grow to be quite big turpins. You're thinking of turtles, like little turtles, but I know turtles grow to be big as well. But a turpin is a That's species mi- of turtle. It's a miniature little guy, isn't it? No, turp- I'm, I think I'm right here. But look, he, some kind of turtles anyway, they're about the size of my hand. Yeah. And one of them killed the other one. Vicious, oh, right. vicious. But I remember, it was Jordan Verity, but he used to clean... The tank, you know, you take out. Yeah, the it gets kind of greeny. Yeah, you know, and you clean it out. However, yeah, you used yeah. to. But the turtle, he had like when you go to take him out, the like take, he'd be vicious as yeah. like I used snapping to yeah, them, snapping, snapping yeah. away. But my I mean, mate Ronan Matai had two turtles, and one kind of started to grow bigger than the other one, and he was all right. Did he kill the other? one? The other one was just had like a soft shell. It kind of it was a bit sick. Oh. And we were actually going to a lecture picnic there, and uh, is this recent? This is recent enough. Yeah, uh, he got a phone call from his mother. And oh, we're, we're in the queue, yeah. I just say, look, I just want to let you know that we woke up, one of them is dead. And he was actually kind of happy enough because that turtle had been suffering for a I while. I was thinking Rona would have been like, I'm going to have to go. No, he was just saying, look, he, uh, he they was suffering, so he decided to. Uh, when I, we spoke about me having a budgie, I had a budgie, he died when I was about 27. But I was um, out doing a bit of work for a friend. You were not. I was, yeah. yeah. And my phone rang, and it was my dad on the phone. And dad said, there's been a death. And I was like, instantly I thought, my aunt is dead, or my aunt Mary. Yeah. I've no Aunt Mary, but yeah. I, uh, you know, but the, for him to ring me, and just go, there's been a death. Been and then he waited, like, yeah, just I was like, see reaction. I was like, what's yeah. going on? And he goes, Oscar probably, died. Yeah. That was the name of the budgie, but what a way to call me. Like. He's probably trying to pay you back for all the years. Of, like, I'm going to make him suffer. Yeah, yeah. Years of so anyway, look, I got some stories here about animals kind of helping people. Okay. Okay. Like the dog who, uh, you know, gave the farmer's wife. The notice that Oh yes yeah, I, I gave the farmer's wife He started trying to help the farmer's wife While the farmer was out He used to keep the wife company Yeah yeah <laughs> Hop into the bed Anyway right, so When a great white shark Attacked a surfer Called Ted Edris In the Pacific Ocean And suddenly mauled His back and right leg An entire pod Of bottlenose dolphins Formed a protective ring Around him Really So he could make it to shore And, get, and end up saving his life Yeah, That's mad Isn't it yeah In June uh, Of 1974 A 62 year old woman Named Calandria Vinaluna Balaza, whatever the feck it is. Say it again? She, no. <laughs> she, uh, was ship, she was shipwrecked and she was rescued by a giant sea turtle. The Philippine uh, Navy published an official account and the ship... Uh, she was rescued, excuse me, she was rescued. By a giant sea turtle. So the, this is like the Philippine Navy actually publishes an official account. So they pulled her from the water and witnessed that she was essentially on board a sea turtle prior to being rescued. And uh, when she initially was stranded, the woman uh, saw the turtle approach her and she grabbed onto its shell. The turtle then swam for two days, never diving, for, ah. never diving for food. It went hungry in order to save her. The crew of the rescuing ship thought she was clinging to an oil, an oil drum at first. Until they wit- Is there the, any photographs? Until they witnessed the object circled three times and uh, then they hauled her on board. Is there and photographs then the, 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 the thing dived down. I, I don't know, I haven't really looked. I'll have a look. I'll probably have find look, something yeah. somewhere, yeah. That sounds Doesn't mad. It? 
Now, these next kind of stories, this is kind of like, so these are all kind of a bit connected. So there was a three-year-old boy who accidentally fell into a gorilla enclosure in Chicago's yeah, I know Brookfield this, yeah. Zoo and became unconscious. This after. is really cool. Go on. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> so the uh, enclosure at Chicago's Brookfield Zoo and she became unconscious. And uh, the, the gorilla, a female gorilla named Bintu Jua, picked him up and held him quite gently close to her to protect her from uh, the other gorillas until the zookeepers could rescue him. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm not sure if it's the same story. I've got three gorilla stories. So okay, go on. Maybe go one on. of them. No, no, go on. Yeah. So in 1986... Go on. Jambo. <laughs> go on. Go on, boy. In 1986, Jambo, a male silverback gorilla, saved a young boy named Levan Murrett when he fell 12 feet into the concrete yeah. slab in the gorilla enclosure in Jersey Zoo, cracking his skull and falling unconscious. Oh, God. Although male so- silverbacks are usually thought to be incredibly hostile... Jambo stood guard over the boy, placing it between him and the other gorillas. He later stroked the unconscious boy's back and led the other gorillas away into the enclosure when the boy gained consciousness, allowing for the rescue and the emergency team to take him. That's really cool. And like, uh, actually, check out the Facebook and Instagram because we will share this footage of that online. Yeah, there I remember is. seeing there someone is, share yeah. that. It's really, it's cool. Like, And there's one now, this isn't such a nice one, right? I so know what you're going to say, the lion. Tw- is this no, lion? this oh, is sorry, another sorry. gorilla one. So on May 28, 2016, a three-year-old boy visiting Cincinnati oh, Zoo gosh. fell into the moat of the oh. Gorilla World habitat. The witnesses say they heard the child say he wanted to go into the gorilla enclosure. Oh, no. I know. But look, the boy then climbed a three-foot-tall fence, crawled through four feet of bushes, and then fell 15 feet into a moat of shallow water. Zoo officials immediately singled, uh, signaled for the gorillas to go into the habitat, the three of them. But two of the females did. However, the third gorilla, an inquisitive 440-pound male silverback, Harambe, climbed down into the moat to investigate the child splashing in the water. Over the next 10 minutes, Harambe became increasingly agitated and disorientated by the screams of the onlookers. He dragged the child through the water, occasionally propping him up when he sat and pushing him down when he stood up. Harambe's excited strutting behaviour, walking around with his legs and arms stiffly extended to make himself look bigger, a move that they used to kind of bluff in nature to make himself look big, which kind of like when there's a danger about. So uh, anyway, Harambe then carried the boy up a ladder onto dry land. Afraid for the boy's life, the zoo officials made the decision to to kill the gorilla. Yeah, Yeah. Doing so with a single rifle shot. Cincinnati firefighters said that the boy was between Harambe's legs when the shot was fired. Harambe was killed one day after his 17th birthday. But come here, was the boy all right? The boy was okay. Now, I feel sorry for that gorilla because it wasn't his fault either, but I'm glad that's how that story ended because I didn't know where it was. Yeah, well, that's how it was. The big thing about it was on the news and stuff. So the the people were saying, like, where were the parents to allow that to happen? But anyway, they took their eye off him for one second and he was an inquisitive little boy. But come on now, one second. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but he went in, but people were giving out that, like, they, you know, because obviously the last two stories before that were gorillas kind of being nice to people who fell into the enclosures and they're saying that Harambe wasn't necessarily showing enough aggressive behavior, but they just weren't going to take a risk. Yeah, yeah, he really but he, he's 17 years he's only, He'd be 17 the day before Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, There's other ones as well Like and I've, I've seen videos Which are not very nice But uh, guys Have you seen the People going into The lion enclosures and, Yeah But I know they saw one Where the lion wasn't shot It ended with your man Becoming lunch mm-hmm. ah, <laughs> Well actually There was a story years ago in I think it was in Castlebar Where there was a guy Who was drunk <laughs> Okay. And maybe it was Maybe someone told me. Maybe this was what I've been told. Maybe it was a kid, right? But apparently he went into the, there was a circus and there was oh. lions and the guy was drunk and he went into the kind of enclosure when people were around at night time on his way home and he put an arm into the cage and it grabbed his arm and he put his other hand in to try and push the lion away and another lion grabbed his other arm and ripped his two arms off. And who was this guy? I don't know. You know your man with no arms and down. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, him. <laughs> uh, lion bar, no arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what. I just remember hearing that story years ago. Handy Mick. Handy Mick, yeah. He's not so handy now. Yeah, yeah. Not our Mick now. <laughs> he, he never waves at me anymore. Yeah, yeah. He's gotten his odd. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that kind of is, concludes all my animal in, uh, information and all my stuff for today. It was good. I enjoyed it. I'd love <laughs> in the future to get a feral person on. We'll do, yeah. And yeah. One of your, funnily enough, right, that concludes today's episode, I presume. Yeah, yeah that's it. And yeah. next week, one of your stories there, you talked about a woman who was shipwrecked. Was it shipwrecked? She was living sea? on, she was on the back of a turtle there for Yeah, but how days. did she end up on the back of a turtle? The ship, the ship went down, yeah. And next week, funnily enough, we're talking to a guy. Uh, who is a turtle? Douglas Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. They're the world's most fearsome. Sorry. No, no. Uh, a guy who uh, was with his family was shipwrecked. Right. And... Look, it's a very interesting story. I'm well, not going to get yeah, too that's much. Away I already now. like it. I'll be tuning in. That's next. I'll week. be here. Yeah, no. yeah, we'll, yeah. <laughs> so, so look, we'll see you next week. Yeah, cheers, guys. Uh, thanks for listening in, and we'll uh, catch up in the next week. Oh, uh, just before we go, look, if you get a chance to jump onto our. Um, iTunes um, SoundCloud Spotify yeah but if you get onto our iTunes one if you could give us an old five star rating and leave us a comment because it, it really helps the podcast grow yeah come on it. that'd be great cheers guys alright we'll catch you next week I've been Rob he's been Rats and uh, <laughs> see you later bye bye you have been listening to the Rob Rat Podcast be sure to check out our social media for updates on the next episode and if you liked what you heard, then let us know by hitting the subscribe button, sending us a message, and telling a friend, because that's how the podcast grows. Thanks for listening.